Pass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Kill Guard Studios. Aaron, this might sound a little disgusting, but I think my pores are still open from fishing the cup. Yes, you, uh, you definitely <laughs> had a chance to clean wet. your pores out. <laughs> Man, welcome everyone to the September 1 Bass Edge Radio episode number 311. Man, Aaron, happy to get another episode started. We got lots to chat about this go-around. We do have lots to chat about, and one thing that is always constant other than the hot air and banter that you and I always seem to come up with is the fact that Megaware Keelguard has been with us for all 311 episodes, one of the oldest podcasts on air now, Kurt. That means we are getting officially old, but Megaware continues to bring the latest and greatest products in the boat market and that is the Megaware Keel Guard first do it yourself keel protector the Skeg Guard the Flex Step the pontoon guard the list goes on and on as always be sure to go to keelguard.com to check out the great products by a great company no doubt aaron and uh talking about great things happening just wrapped up session three of pro bass camp in new york lots of fun love fishing lake oneida love the fisheries which you are very familiar with in your part of the country that you can go both ways Catching the smallies, catching the largemouth, of course, your way. You can go three ways down there. You can catch your spots too, but love those two-way fisheries. Had a lot of fun at the final pro bass camp. Man, it's been successful, Aaron. The whole camp process, this is the eighth year now complete. If anybody is interested in 2020, please shoot me an email. I'm just going to go ahead and blurt it out, dovekp at hotmail.com. Dot com. Shoot me an email. You're interested in your child becoming a better bass angler. We're going to have some great programs in 2020 for Pro Bass Camp. Yeah, that's so cool that you get to do that because they are full-fledged camps. It's not like a glorified sitting service out on the water to where you're just doing a guide trip. You know, oh, those, no. those are the real deal. And I'm very, very thankful that you guys do that and the education that you deliver on that front. It's a wonder, Kurt. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, evidently, the North didn't get the memo that – they were going to start school like four weeks early this year because Maya and Malia, my two daughters, have already been in school going on three weeks now. Hard to believe. It seems like it's starting earlier every year. It's insane, actually, when I scheduled the camp. I, I forget, Nobody starts school before Labor Day, and they're in school like 80% of the country. It's unbelievable. But yeah, so um, we'll see how the world progresses. Maybe we'll go into 12-month schooling. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that would probably make some parents happy, I'm sure i guess if you didn't want to spend any time with your kids so i'll let you run with that one Kurt. Yeah. well i'm gonna lay off and i'll tell you what i am gonna run with i'm running with a 2020 bass boat on order super stoked about that getting all the new gear getting those lawrence hds lives and it seems like september okay well we just finished well you know if you're not thinking ahead in this game then you're well well behind so i uh, excited to get my 2020 boat ordered yeah for sure and uh one thing that i finally finished slightly ahead of you on is the boat's already ordered on August 20th. It was actually delivered. They were rigging it. Um, it is officially wrapped now. Uh, same deal. Excited for you. You know, Nitro changed up the console a little bit this year. So excited to see that. And likewise, we've got the Lowrance HDS Lives power 
poles. Mercury, no problem for me getting a motor this year, which was great. So happy with uh, what we've talked about last time with the, the yeah. new four strokes. So, yeah, just excited. Now I've got to get it broke in. You know, the last two years, Kurt, I've had to break it in during our championship, which is never any fun trying to get those hours. And you're talking about something that's hard right. to do is being out there driving around when you need to be practicing and finding fish. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to get caught up in that mess again. We need to see Aaron Martin on the top of the leaderboard with the championship this year. No doubt it's your time, my friend. I hear you. All right. Well, what it is time for is moving on into the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. Aaron, I'm a big fan of this segment. Love the little segues that we have with uh, the pros giving us some insights on how to be a better angler in a short snippet. Stay tuned. Here it is. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Bass Pro Tour Angler, Stephen Browning. Stephen Browning here, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about selecting the right rod for the right crankbait. Falls right around the corner, and without a doubt, cranking will be a big player. And uh, probably my most favorite time of the year to pick a crankbait up, shallow cranking especially. The deal is St. Croix makes three or four different styles of what they call legend glass rods and these rods come in several different actions most often if i'm throwing a small crankbait say a crankbait that has number six hooks on it i'm going to use a medium moderate 610 medium moderate and that just allows the fish to get it doesn't put a lot of stress on the hooks the hooks are very very important the other one is a medium heavy moderate number four hooks the other one is a heavy moderate that's the one that i'll use the number two hooks the bigger square bills the 2.5s the 3.5s that's the time that you need to use those so remember medium six medium heavy four heavy number twos steven that is an awesome tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com first by land and now by sea for years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Kurt, you alluded to it at the beginning of talking about how you were sweating and your pores were well cleaned <laughs> out. I know uh, we, we typically run a couple weeks behind of the pressing news once the major media has covered everything, but I am anxious to hear, you know, just the cup experience now that you've kind of been able to take a breath and take it all in. Uh, give us kind of a rundown. 
Yeah, man. I created some of my own media for myself for the cup. So uh, if anyone's interested, please go check out the YouTube channel. I've got day one and day two cup episodes up on my YouTube channel, Kurt Dove Fishing. So uh, they can visually check out some good fish catches and a tough day, man. I, I tell you what, Aaron, I had a great cup. I felt like I had a good game plan going in. There was a piece of the puzzle I didn't quite dial in, and that was the deep brush deal, catching a few fish out deep, but I was mostly focused shallow and really was stoked because the conditions lined up for a shallow event. And uh, day one, I was able to capitalize. I was in 16th place, just a couple pounds off of the lead, um, a pound and a half or so out of the top five. I was really, really excited. Thought that it was going to line up for me strong on day two. I threw a top water all day long on day one. Day two comes conditions. Aaron, I don't even know my deal. I mean, I'm jacked. I want to catch them. <laughs> I went hours hours getting a nibble here and a nibble there uh after about 11 o'clock i gave up on my top water pattern i had two fish in the boat what's so great about fishing some of these big events is is you can go back and look at the media that happened while the event so of course hindsight you know i look at the media that evening i see it was tough for everybody that day it was weird like the fish just weren't biting that good you know, everyone, a lot of small limits after six hours of fishing. And I ended up going out deep, cranking, caught a couple of spotted bass, filled out a limit, uh, ended up culling a good fish there toward the end of the day, ended up with seven pounds, not what I really needed, but only 15 ounces out of the top 20. Long story short is, although it showed it being very, very tough for the first six hours of the day, dude, for the last two hours, those fish bit and they bit out deep on the brush. <laughs> wow. Wow. So taking that, you know, hindsight, obviously with the media, you can go back and see what others did and, yeah. you know, but from your perspective and for Bass Edge listeners, because all of us have found ourselves, you know, maybe it's it's day one of, of our fishing trip and things go well or vice versa. There's always some sort of condition, right, that can throw a curveball. What would be your advice to Bass Edge listeners when they find themselves in that situation? You know, I think the key is you, you've got to flow the conditions. And so you pick and choose something you do and you change locations, trying tactics that meet the conditions of current, you know, the prevailing conditions of the time being that you're fishing. And if I didn't adjust, Aaron, I probably would not have had a limit. Oh, no doubt. Uh, but what really happened in that scenario is it the guys that were keying on the brush and just stayed out there, they were a little bit more dialed in because it's not easy to change shallow to deep. I mean, especially after the day before, I fished shallow all day. So, so there are some struggles there, and I think there is a certain circumstance where – Sometimes things just line up. You know, if you look at the recent win of Michael Frazier on the Thousand Islands Elite Series event, he had a good tournament going and things happened for him on day four. Yeah, day four was unreal. I mean, unbelievable. Had a biggest bag of the event, had a 25 pound sack, comes back, wins by 14 ounces. So, similar situation for me at the cup. I had a good pattern, good game plan, was catching fish, and then just the last couple hours of the event didn't go my way. It's not that I made a bad decision. I made a good decision to go out deep and catch a limit. Just didn't get, you know, really it was another bite or two bites. And that's the difference between a middle of the pack finish, which is where I finished the cup, 
versus a top 15 finish. But here's so, where I want to go with that too before, and I know we're running sure. long on this segment that I think is important to understand and take from. We have to look at the small victories. The fact that you changed and adjusted, even though, yes, you perhaps didn't have the best brush piles or the best brush or know what angle that they were setting up on, sure. you were able to go and get your limit. So that is a huge victory of making that change. Whether or not you should have done it earlier, you can't control that. But right. likewise, is just knowing that in a regular season event, that would have been tremendous because think about how many points that would have made a difference in, whereas this is a little different because it is the FLW Cup. It's the final event. You swing for the fences and anything outside of first place, you know, is, is probably going to pay a lot less. But the reality is, I think, uh, very proud of you. I saw you going in and watched it on day one and then day two. Just like you said, things just didn't quite go your way. Yeah. So uh, overall, man, not disappointed. Great cup experience with day two and day three. Nice crowds there at Hot Springs. Day three was absolutely packed. Of course, they had a Trace Atkins concert right before the weigh-in, so uh, that was phenomenal. Do you feel that this has put you in a different mindset of future Cup now that you've kind of got the dust off and, hey, okay, I can do this. I belong here. This was your first Cup presence. Is that momentum? Certainly, and I feel like it does. There is an altered thought process, not cognitively, but in a subconscious way, right? So, yeah, yeah, I really do. I think it does and gets me more fired up for 2020 and see what the road ahead has. And, you know, I've been at this since 2006, so 13 years, took a few years off in between during 8, 9, 10, 11 when the economy was terrible. So, you know, I've been at it a little bit. I think, you know, this was my 10th year throughout that time frame of full-time national tour events, you know, fishing 10 years now. So um, I feel like it puts me in a different mindset. And it's not something that I cognitively said, oh, I can do this now. You know, it's not like I didn't believe that in the past, but it, it changes your mindset for sure. I think this is something that we'll have to revisit in a episode maybe this winter where we talk, maybe bring get Jay back in this. You know, we talk about Jay McNamara all the time, Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, the book, you get it on our website, but we're, we're going to bring Jay in this winter, uh, revisit some of these things. And man, I'm fired up for 2020, had a great cup experience and I'm looking forward to what life has in store moving ahead. Yeah, no doubt. Great thought there of bringing Jay in. We will definitely get him scheduled. Speaking of being fired up and looking ahead uh we've got a fellow i believe cup competitor of yours that was there with you correct yes yes we do you know he's pretty young guy not crazy young but uh what i love most is that he's from the west side so uh hang tight we're gonna be right back with our loops oil feature angler spotlight this is flw tour angler matt reed i'm flw tour angler pete I am Bass Pro Tour Angler Stephen Browning. I am David Dudley, 2019 Angler of the Year. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel
keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWear KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWear KeelGuard. In this episode, we feature a 2019 rookie on the FLW Tour who finished 29th in the AOI standings, recently had a great performance at the FLW Cup, just missing the top 10 final day, finished 11th at the FLW Cup. Man, it is great to chat with anglers from the West Side as they always tend to bring a different perspective to the table. Welcome, FLW Tour Pro, Wade Strelick. Awesome to have you on the show, Wade. Thanks, Kurt, and thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for taking the time out from me this morning and having me on the show. We're excited, and before we dive off kind of into the the, uh, the meat of the episode here, Wade. You know, I remember, I always like for Bass Edge listeners kind of giving it a feel for who they're talking to. And I remember back in 2014, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but you and your dad did a pretty phenomenal feat on El Capitan with a five fish limit <laughs> weighing 37.31. And the crazy thing about that is your biggest bass was 7.88. So that means you basically had a bag of clones. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that was just one of those days you just, uh, I mean, you dream about. I mean, you could fish your whole life and not have something like that happen. So definitely a crazy time and uh, definitely some good memories to look back on. Yeah, any any day you're calling seven pounders is a good day. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, hey, I want to congratulate you as well on a fantastic season. You definitely made a mark on the FLW ranks this year. First, kind of like to understand really your thoughts on beginning to fish the tour in 2019. You know, I thought Kurt had a long way to go coming from Del Rio to all the tournaments, but uh, you're coming from the greater San Diego area, a little bit further. Yeah, I, I just FLW is something I always wanted to fish. Um, something you know, the, the tour is something I always wanted to do. Um, and I finally this year, I just kind of jumped in with both feet and uh, just got into it. And coming from the West Coast, like you said, there's a lot of logistics in it. There's a lot of traveling and driving, and it's something that I didn't have a lot of time. I had to get ready in about October, but I didn't know I was in till December. So I had a lot of work to do, not even knowing that I was in the tour. So when I got the call from Bill Taylor, the tournament director, it was something definitely that I was looking forward to. And there's a ton of work into professional bass fishing. It's one thing I learned from driving to practice to, you know, boat maintenance and all that stuff, which is definitely a lot of work that goes into it. Me coming from, you know, Southern California, um, our first tournament this year was in Sam Rayburn, which is about a, you know, 17, 18 hour drive from San Diego where I live. So that was the close tournament though, right? <laughs> yeah, that was the close, that was the West coast tournament for me. So, uh, you, you definitely get used to driving, you know, and that's, that was something that I was, you know, not looking forward to, but, uh, got to see a lot of cool places, but it's definitely not something I'm used to, you know, those 15, 16, 18, 20 hour drives. So definitely a, a different deal coming from the West coast. That's awesome. That's when you get to turn on that Bass Edge radio and just start going to town, right? You're probably a podcast expert at this point. All yeah, for sure. It definitely yeah. helps kill the time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. There's so many good ones out these days. It's definitely a growing trend, and obviously we're happy to be a part of this. Aaron was uh, one of the early people doing podcasts. That's why we're on episode 311 or 312 where we're at here. So it's pretty awesome, man. But Wade, you know, in doing research about your fishing experience, is I noticed you fished a few FLW events out west, the uh, Costa events out there, but really it looks like you tackled the Juan Bass Trail. I saw another Strelick early in the Juan Bass Trail. I think it was like, you know, prior to 09, somewhere in that 08, 07 range. Maybe that was your dad. I'm not sure. But uh, then I saw you started really jumping into the scene about 2010. 
man, and you've had some really good finishes out west on the one bash trail and, you know, had some top tens. And those are the cream of the crop. You know, everybody coming from the west coast uh, all over the west to, to fish those events. First, I want to say how much little I love competing in the U.S. Open. It's a lot of fun. But secondarily, I'd like to understand more about your kind of bringing up into the competitive fishing world itself. Yeah, I mean, I started out fishing team tournaments um, in San Diego. I didn't really fish any of the club-level stuff. Just kind of started fishing team tournaments with uh, just a high school buddy of mine. And we fished every single day after school. And it didn't really matter, rain or, you know, rain or shine. We just started fishing. And we actually did pretty well our first I think the first year we won like uh, Angler of the Year in that series or whatever. But uh, after that, I just I just kept fishing, kept fishing, kept getting a little better, kept getting a little better, and then uh, decided to uh, actually fish the U.S. Open as a co-angler. And uh, I think I was 18 at the time, and I fished it as a co-angler, and that was kind of opened my eyes to fishing on a higher level. Um, I actually drew John Kerr, which is a, a guy out west. He's won the U.S. Open before, and that was just a great okay. experience. And then this, after that, I think I was 19, I started fishing the U.S. Open and had some good tournament success, and just kind of went with it and. Uh, Lake Mead is was where the U.S. Open is held. I mean, it's a body of water I've had a lot of past history on. It's always been kind of good to me. And U.S. Open is a great tournament I always look forward to every single year. It's a grueling event. It's really, really hot. You know, it's a three-day tournament, pro-am style. But uh, it's definitely something that's unique, and it's something that I look forward to every single year. It's definitely taught me a lot about professional bass fishing. It'll teach you about rough water. It'll teach you about taking care of your fish. You can learn a lot about tournaments just in that one event. Um, you got to save your fish. You know, it's a three-day tournament. It's, you can't really go to the same place twice. So definitely that is a good tournament to learn as your first event. It tells you a lot of lessons, you know, that it would take you years to learn fishing the tournament so yeah no doubt there is a lot of life lessons in uh, those three <laughs> days from hydration to nutrition to you know all the things that you speak of so it's like the master's class plus it has this legendary um, status in, in my book of, of being around it for a, a very long time and getting to experience what kind of comes out of that but you know now you're fishing the FLW tour and you qualify for the cup in hindsight what were your expectations for 2019 as this was really your first big stab at these fisheries on the east side you know i didn't really have a ton of expectations once i got qualified and i knew that i was in i guess i just wanted to know that i could compete with these guys i mean you travel all over these places you know these places i i never went to one lake um that we fished the flw tour on this year every lake was a new you know a new body of water for me and uh come from out west I, you don't really know these guys and so i, I started fishing and uh I didn't really have any expectations. I just tried to take it one tournament at a time. And I had some success early, which definitely helps in my season. And the pressure kind of built. At first, I went to Rayburn and I had no expectations. I just fished real calm and just real smooth. And uh, it, I actually did really well. I went to Florida, had a top 10 there. So then it started, the pressure started building. And I was like, man, I can, you know, maybe make the cup. And then you keep going and going and going. I just like, it went from having no expectations to, you know, hell, I want to make the cup. So it's just it's one of those things I had to kind of focus myself and just tell myself, hey, uh, you know, I'm a rookie. I'm doing better than I thought. And whatever happens, happens and just try to fish the moment. So with you doing that, you're having to do so and maintain a full job. Is that correct? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not uh, like I, you're right now. I mean, as we do this interview, you're going to another job. Yeah. So I've been, you know, working on and off. But uh, during the season, I kind of took some time off and I definitely focused on fishing. Um, I went from tournament to tournament. Actually, I traveled with my wife. We have a Lance camper. And so that definitely helped fishing new bodies of water. I got a little bit more time than I normally would have. And uh, just try to really focus my time on looking around the lakes and just basically just trying to figure out how to get around them. That's the hardest part. When you first get there, you don't know where the launch ramp's at. You know, you don't know where, you know, where any of the 
hazards are. And so once you kind of get a few days in the water, you kind of learn where the ramps are at, where this is, where that is. So when you get there for official practice, you don't spend three days just trying to learn stuff that you know you already should have learned so that's great advice you mentioned you travel with your wife so were you networking with uh, some of the other anglers or were you just kind of doing wade's thing yeah i mean at first i didn't know anybody on tour so i kind of just kept to myself we actually met uh jay todd tucker who also camps and uh we so we kind of traveled a little bit together and uh i kind of became good friends with him and we talked a little bit and uh he was always good advice for me he's been on the tour for a long long time so he would kind of just give me some advice you know with the water fluctuating and all the crazy stuff we had this year he was definitely kind of someone good and useful to kind of bounce ideas off of because he's seen it all yeah it's all jay todd's a great dude i'm friends with jay todd as well and yeah he's been around the block and he's definitely a great guy for you to bump into out there at the campground He's an awesome guy, and he's just as friendly as they come. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely a great guy. The Cup. Let's kind of move into the Cup. So it's a great story there on how your year evolved, and you had a great event at the Cup, nearly making a top 10. You were first guy out. You know, you finished 11th place the Cup. Great finish. What were your, some of your key successes first at the Cup? You know, a tough summertime event. Then kind of, you know, hindsight 2020, what would you do differently to put you over the top if you had another shot if you could redo it uh, i would say just the key to success was just time on the water i mean i went over there for pre-practice and I, I know you did too and just to try to get as many hours on my motor just to look at brush yeah. piles it's such a small lake but there's so much to look at lake hamilton it's, it's a very diverse fishery and i just kind of wanted to go there and just to try to look around a little bit so when you do have those official practice days you can really spend your time kind of dialing in and uh for me i put over 40 hours on my motor just graphing around i like hamilton it was, it was i've never done anything like it but it definitely paid off and also trying to find stuff that was you know kind of out of the norm just off the wall stuff that a lot of guys weren't finding in pre-practice someone out there graphed a ton of brush and i learned about 30 minutes into the first day of practice that about 50 of the 60 brush piles i found there was already a boat sitting on them so um <laughs> i, I kind of had to go back and look at some stuff and just try to figure out you know what guys were overlooking or you know maybe what guys weren't doing and try to focus on some of that stuff just because these guys are good they find stuff and it took me hours they took them minutes so probably what i would do over um is in practice we had all hot sunny conditions and uh in the tournament obviously threw us a curveball like it always does um i didn't adjust well i didn't throw a crankbait or a swim bait or something the fish were very high up in the water column they were suspended and then you know you get back and you watch guys like thrift and those guys just excel at that stuff and catching them on a crankbait or a swim bait or something that's more up in the water column and uh i just kind of kept throwing my worm out there wondering why they wouldn't bite and uh kind of knew it in the back of my mind but it's different to adjust on the fly it's definitely something i need to look at yeah it always seems like you know when you're out there in the tournament competition itself you know you have some of these thoughts that creep into your mind but you've had success doing one thing and, and you think man i really only need five bites you know it's going to come it's going to come and it did for you but sometimes you know some small adjustments like that in hindsight you know kind of give us a leg up on next time you see that experience and, and you see that you know evolution of conditions that that, that happened throughout a, a week-long event so it's, it's pretty interesting wait it's been man it's been awesome you having you on the show so far we need to take a quick break we're going to power pull down then we're going to talk about some early fall tactics right after these messages stay tuned Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, 
PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with FLW Tour Angler Wade Strelick in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products for oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Well, Wade, before we continue into the interview, I'm going to go down memory lane a little bit. I want to mention that, um, oddly enough, before we chatted the cup, I realized earlier this year that Wade and I have a mutual friend, longtime pro angler from New York that actually stopped fishing. We didn't completely stop fishing, but he left New York and drove cross country to the West Coast and set up shop, basically. And I'm referring to our friend Bobby Matthews. You know, he did that back in the <laughs> early 2000s. He was fishing the Pro Tour for several years. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Bobby. You know, he helped me on the Hudson River, me and a friend of mine, Tony Black. He helped us on the Hudson River. Bobby knows so much about the Hudson River at that time that he put, I say he put both of us on top 10 patterns that we were able to you know exploit throughout the uh, event so uh shout out to bobby i know you guys have spent some time fishing together he's a free-spirited dude did he help you with some east coast tactics at all <laughs> uh yeah i mean he definitely has a lot of knowledge like you said he's got a ton of different experience on a lot of different bodies of water from a long time ago he's fishing like you said in the early 2000s um and a lot has changed since then but uh, Bobby's definitely a crazy guy. He's one of those guys you meet, you know, one time, you'll remember him for the rest of your life. We were actually at Champlain before the cutoff. He was from New York, and it's something that he always wanted to go back. And I said, hey, I'm going up Champlain, and uh, if you would like to go with me after Chickamauga, come on up for a few days and go fishing. And uh, he took me up on the offer, and it was in May. It was cold, man, but uh, the fishing was unbelievable. I had some of the best fishing I've ever had up there in Champlain. And uh, oddly enough, the very first guy we walk into at the campground, Bobby started chatting with him and knew the guy and knew his dad and knew every, knew everything about him. So I'm like, how do we drive 2,600 miles? And you know the very first guy you talk to, but that's just how he is, I guess. Yeah, it really is, man. He's a great guy. Just one more thing, you know, a reason I love the sport of bass fishing, you know, it's generally small, tight community. And, and no matter if you know one or two or 10 people, you probably know 1,500 because it's just a great community to be a part of. But uh, definitely wanted to uh, bring that into the interview. But uh, anyway, enough about that. Back to our original programming, Wade. Would you consider yourself a finesse angler or power fisherman? And how does that play into what you look for to catch bass in this? I mean, here we are, you know, September, really kind of late September, and you start to see some early fall progression of bass behavior. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would guess I would consider myself a finesse fisherman. It's what I do mostly in Southern California. I mean, we fish power in the springtime and in the summertime, but finesse is definitely something I, I do most. Um, I enjoy doing both. I don't care if I drop shot on four pound test or flip a one and a half ounce weight, you know, with 80 pound braid. Just It's just something that I, I care less. I'll, I'll do anything to catch a bass. But this transition into fall is kind of a cool time. I mean, it's something you can do finesse and power. Something like we saw at the Cup, and it's something that usually you have to do both to do well in a tournament. We're typically in the springtime, you know, it's only power fishing. And then, you know, in the wintertime, it's only finesse fishing. So the fall definitely gives you a lot of good 
options to do kind of both. Yeah. So with that being said, when we kind of find ourselves in this time of year, what would you say the most difficult code you find to crack about catching bass as we find ourselves, you know, here in early September? And and what's your first instinct to overcome and be successful? Yeah. Finding bass, I guess the code to crack in the fall is just, I guess, locating them. Um, A lot of times they're offshore, you know, in their summer patterns moving into the end of the fall. You know, they can be suspended. A lot of times they're relating to bait more than structure. So they're kind of hard to put your finger on the pulse. And once you find them, it's only good for about maybe three or four hours. And they seem to always move on you. So the way I would overcome it is just to, you know, keep on your electronics, keep looking for bait, you know, look for any type of life, any birds on the bank, um, you know, birds diving, looking for that bait fish. And those fish usually will be somewhere close around. It's one of my favorite times of year to fish. You can kind of go out there and just keep looking around and just not be afraid to uh, get out off the bank and go find them. Wade, when you're out off the bank, are you looking, you know, humps, points, creek channels? Um, you know, is there some specific structure that you feel like these these bait fish that attract the bass get around or is it is it really just kind of like a wild west you know aimless you can find them anywhere yeah i mean for sure i mean the shad you know they're going to go in the winter time they're going to go in those creek channels and in those ditches and they kind of go out from the deep the shad and then they're kind of going to go back in the creeks right now i mean i usually typically find them you know in the backs of the creek channels that 15 to 25 foot and they're kind of the bass will be, you know, anywhere that bass will set up normally on a point or a hump or something to ambush them, they'll typically be on. But uh, it's just something that all our lakes are different across the country. I mean, I, I sure I've talked about stuff on the West Coast that if you lived in Florida, you'd have no idea what, you know, what I was talking about. But definitely keep an open mind and keep looking around. And once you find those bait, those bass ain't going to be far behind. Right. Key deal there. Find the bait and then kind of just uh, work your way into where the bass and how they're relating to it. It's certainly critical. You know, Wade, likely you've got some instincts that you generally follow when you hit the lake this time of year. I feel like, you know, you hear weekend anglers talk or you talk at seminars and do some things and and they'll tend to exhaust those initial instincts, you know, maybe fairly quickly in the day, right? You know, they, they hit the water for two or three hours and they're like, they kind of throw their hands up and they kind of tend to get into a little rut. How do you go about keeping a fresh mindset and continuing to try to evolve the pattern or put the pieces together while you're on the water looking for those clues to help get you dialed in? Yeah, uh, it definitely can be frustrating, especially when you've tried everything. And uh, I just try to take a step back and take a fresh mindset at it. You know, for us fishing tournaments, you got to figure out something. And so I definitely, if I'm fishing and I haven't got a bite in a while, I'll just tell myself, you know, you're not going to win here. So you got to keep looking. I always tell myself, they're always biting somewhere someone's going to catch them so definitely taking a step back you know whether you have to fire up the boat and drive you know drive across the lake do something you wouldn't normally do and once you do find them i always try to change it up definitely a lot of weekend anglers i've noticed they'll have a four or five different spots and they kind of fish the same stuff with the same baits and they kind of just get that's how they get stuck in a rut the fish are always changing so definitely when you do find them try to do something else you know try to mix it up and it definitely have more confidence with different patterns and definitely be a more versatile angler to, to try to figure out those fish when they're in these fall, you know, summer, fall transitions. It's definitely a hard time of year to keep track of them. Before we go to the listener question segment, Wade, I want to kind of slip this in because I, th- I think in our years of doing this and, and talking with both that kind of representation from the west side and then the eastern, you know, southern anglers to the north, 
curious to know if you needed to adapt your style at all or tremendously when you fish the eastern U.S. fisheries, just really trying to kind of pick your thought process and brain on your strengths and if that was able to play out for you in your 2019 tournament success. Yeah, like I said, I think I'm a finesse fisherman. That's where my roots kind of come from. And I thought I was going to do a whole lot more of it on the FLW Tour. The problem is you only have three days practice on a body of water that I've never been to. So fishing slow, fishing finesse takes so much time to try to figure out, try to dial in a spot or dial in an area um, that you really don't have. You only have three days to figure it out. So in my mind going into it, I thought I was going to fish, you know, finesse a lot more. And with the year we had with all the flooding and, and all the rain and all the cold weather we've had, you had to kind of just mix it up. And I found myself fishing faster than I normally would have and fishing, you know, kind of more power, just trying to locate a bass. You know, you go to these places, you go to Grand Lake or you go to, you know, Lake Seminole and the bass are few and far between. But when you do find them, usually run into them. So I, I definitely uh, went into it thinking I was going to be finesse fishing and definitely kind of started fishing more power and kind of fishing more stuff that I'm not really, um, I guess wouldn't be my strength. So do you think you'll be able to bring some of that back to uh, your West Coast roots, you know, in the off season and be successful with that, you know, kind of new trend that developed for yourself on fishing the FLW tour? Do you think that uh, it's still the best way to attack it out West is more with that finesse application? No, I definitely learned a lot out, you know, East this year. I think some stuff I can bring back to the West Coast and uh, the stuff on the East Coast, I mean, the, the stuff just changes so drastically and so fast. Um, that's That was my biggest adjustment all year was, you know, with the water level and the temperature and the, you know, the water temp and the air temp, everything just changes so much quicker. I think us West Coast guys, we're used to a lot more stable conditions. It's definitely something I had to get used to. Yeah, that's a great point. You think about Southern California weather and it's what? Like, San Diego like, changes, what, two degrees all year? <laughs> year i mean you got yes, no lemons yep. in january so yep the water temp in the winter time will be in the 50s and the summertime will be you know 78 degrees so it's kind of yeah. a you don't really get a lot of you know water fluctuation you know all that stuff so that's a cool perspective good stuff all right well wait here we go we're going to go into our listener question segment brought to us by nitro performance bass boats jordan thompson asked this question i'm a weekend warrior up here in canada and recently purchased my first boat with a sonar unit on a pretty tight budget. If you could only have one sonar unit on your boat, where would it be? At the steering wheel with the transducer at the stern or up on the deck with the transducer attached to the trolling motor and why? If I could only have one, I guess I would mount it uh, on the side of the boat, you know, at the console. I would probably use a ram mount or something. I could swivel it 180 and look at it both from the driver's seat and from the front. With the technology today, uh, having, you know, down scan and side imaging is so important to locating bass and, you know, fishing grass and any type of other structure that bass get on. But it's also when you when you get up on the front, you need to know, you know, what you're fishing. And so when you can turn that graph around, if you can only have one graph, I would definitely have it in a position that you can uh, use it from both ends of the boat. Well, that's good stuff. And then would you split the uh, transducers on it too to have one? Trans- yeah, uh, that, that's a good question. The transducer is, is, if you could have it on the front, that'd be obviously beneficial. But uh, if you can only do one thing, you know, I would have, probably have it on the hole. And uh, you could something you could turn around, and if you're dragging a tube or you know do something, you could definitely 
it wouldn't make much difference, I don't think. I love the response, and he's on a budget and still gets the best of both worlds. Uh, Wade, thank you for answering that question. Jordan, glad you sent that in. Seems like a uh, common dilemma as anglers work to utilize the the latest technology for their fishing. Make sure, though, we need one more thing from you, Jordan, and that is to let us know that you heard Wade answer your question here on Episode 311, and you can do that by logging on to BassEdge.com, clicking the Claim Your Prize segment, and fill in the information so that we can send out the Bass Edge gift directly to you. And always a reminder, the listeners keep sending me these great questions. We'll try to get as many as we can out here on the show answered by the national pros. We feature every episode. This will give you a shot at winning a gift from Bass Edge in the following months. You can email those to us, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter media pages. Wade, thanks for taking time to chat with us and uh, be part of Bass Edge Radio. Any thoughts that you would like to throw out to Bass Edge listeners before we shut down? I just want to thank you guys for having me on the show, and uh, Bass Edge Radio is awesome. Definitely a show I look forward to listening to, and I uh, appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to you know listen to us, and hope I can uh, help you guys out with any type of fishing questions, and hopefully uh, give you guys a different perspective. For sure. No doubt, Wade, man. It's been a great interview and always love the perspective from the West side. It's uh, a lot of techniques always coming from the West Coast, (laughs) even though you took some stuff this year from East back to West. But uh, it's always great to mix the things up. So, Wade, I'm going to send you off with our final segment for last questions for you so here we go what was your most used technique in 2019 uh, i would say the most used technique this year would be flipping with the high water we had uh it's something you just had to go with some heavy line and you know just kind of pitch the targets on the bank definitely something that we had in my hand all year awesome catching a 10 pound bass this fall in southern california yay or nay oh man i hope so uh 10 pound bass are hard to come by uh, anywhere in the country, but uh, I've had luckily I've had you know the opportunity to catch a few, and uh, I would hope so. We got some high water right now, and definitely a good time to do it. Awesome. What FLW event? They announced the 2020 schedule at the Cup. So which FLW event are you looking forward to most in 2020? Uh, I would say Lake Cherokee. Um, it's somewhere we went this year, somewhere I'll be a little bit familiar with. And uh, I want revenge. I I did a, had a decent tournament there, but. Uh, Definitely played into the, you know, the changing conditions and all that stuff. And I would like to another crack at that one. Awesome. And <laughs> I don't know where I got this question from, but what was the last thing you ate? <laughs> we had pizza. We, uh, me and my wife, we triggered some pizza last night. So that's the last thing oh, I ate. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Man, it's been a great interview again, Wade. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you being on the show. I look forward to seeing you in October. Yeah. It's open. So that'll be a lot of fun. I will definitely be seeing you. Outstanding, man. It should be another great event. New records being set with uh, participation. So uh, shout out to Billy Egan there with Western Outdoor News and, and Juan Bass bringing out some awesome events to the West Side. So everybody stay tuned. we got a couple more things left in the show. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. 
developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Aaron, I love getting to know new anglers. It was a pleasure having Wade on the program. Seems like all pro anglers, man. You know, once they make the plunge, they get out there, see what it's all about. Just great individuals. I thought it was cool he was able to hook up with an old friend of mine, Jay Todd Tucker. I actually didn't know that. Jay Todd didn't mention that to me earlier this year. But, you know, it's it's tough to run into everybody all the time and talk about everything that's going on in our lives. But, Wade, I see him evolving. We talk about, you know, having people that become very successful in the industry. I see Wade evolving into that type of angler where this isn't going to be his first cup. This isn't going to be his first, you know, top 30 AOI finish. I, I see some great things coming from Wade. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if I was uh, putting together a fishing team, he would definitely be a first-round draft pick for me because anybody that can come from the West Coast, obviously, you know, as most anglers that are fishing at the upper level like you guys, you know, you're all very good, but to come in on the national tour and get a completely removed from the geographic area of where you spend most of your time and then have to deal with all the challenges of just sheer travel, Kurt, which you know about. You're down at Del Rio, so you have a long way. But then qualify for the cup on all brand new lakes, every lake he went to, not even knowing where the boat ramps are, to campgrounds for him and his wife to be able to find just a place to stay. You know, I mean, it's just psychologically, that is a lot. And I don't know that my bandwidth can handle what he dealt with this year. Here's my extraction from the uh, interview that I wanted to highlight also was he fished faster than normal this year fished more power techniques you know he was able to adjust very quickly not only to all the laundry list of things you just mentioned but in the fishing realm really adjusted his more power fishing techniques fishing at a greater speed giving him better chances to see more water and when you're doing that in these tournaments with just a couple days of practice on lakes that even if i've been to rayburn 20 times in my life it's still new Every time you go back, there's, you know, what you fish your own home body of water. And after three, four, five years, things change, things evolve, things develop. So it's new every time. And being able for him to make that quick adjustment to have those successes. And then he also said there are some things he's going to be able to bring back to Southern California that he learned back. He said it's going to improve his ability to put fish in the boat there as well. Watch out. West Coast. <laughs> Wade Strelick's here to play, and uh, he's going to be playing on the east side and the west side, I feel like, for many, many years to come. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. How many times do we get stuck 
in a rut or, you know, fishing a, a certain style or certain speed. And it's all about decisions. We talk about it all the time. And uh, when you can put consistent decisions and not be, I guess, married to any one particular uh, strategy, those are the ones that are able to excel. So fantastic there, stuff. There was a couple of events this year for sure. And mostly it was a practice decision that put me over the top in a understanding of what was happening during that week of the tournament at a you know, XYZ body of water. And it was a a decision to stay in an area or move areas or really focus on a pattern that I identified. And and that's really, I felt like what made my year a little bit better than than some in the past. I mean, I've had some good years, had some great tournaments, you know, all all that kind of good stuff, but to really kind of push me to this level where I feel like I'm at right now, which, you know, as, as you say, you know, we all continue to evolve. It's slight adjustments. Yeah, slight and, and those are why you made the cup. I mean, and then yeah. that confidence as a result of that, there is no measurement, in my opinion, for what that does. And and for even guys that are out here on, on the weekends, just fun fishing or whether it's fishing a club or a BFL or something like that, those building blocks are very, very, very important. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be fun to move forward. It's great having Wade on the show. He makes us think, and that's what I love about Bass Edge Radio. It keeps you thinking, keeps you on your toes. For sure. You know what I love about Bass Edge Radio? While I'm here in the Megaware Keel Guard Studios, you are on the front porch of somewhere in Pennsylvania of a cabin. Uh, <laughs> that's right. And I, I keep getting to hear the crickets and the, and the birds and nature, you know. And uh, so I love technology. I love the fact that I'm working and you're like slouching off. <laughs> I'm not sure I call it slouching off, my friend, but but uh, no, definitely I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying some time in the Northeast, and I'm ready to get back to Texas. Though I left Texas just before the Cup, and uh, here we are just before September one, and I will be back home around my birthday coming up very soon, September seventh. So uh, I hope to uh, continue the rest of the fall in Texas with a jaunt out to For Las sure. Vegas. And I will be calling you once again on your birthday, as I do every year, to remind you that you are just slightly, uh, I think, less than a little bit less than a year older than me. So uh, anyway, I always like rubbing you. But so we digress. Uh, We need to close this one down. (laughs) Episode 311 is now in the books for Kurt Dove. I am Aaron Martin for all things Bass Edge. Please go to uh, BassEdge.com videos articles to products all kinds of good stuff and of course don't forget our social media until next time which will be episode 312 on september 15th be safe on the water and uh have a great one everybody we'll talk to you soon the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com mercury marine lawrence electronics power pole and rapaholic.com 